Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Hallelujah. And as you're being seated, join me in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter um, 9, and let's look at verse 6. I want to uh, look at something I haven't looked at in a while, and uh, I want us... I. I Actually, when I began to study for it, I came at it a little bit of a d- different direction than I've ever taught it in the past, but we'll end up in the same vicinity. I want to talk to us to, to this morning and take this time to give our attention to the Prince of Peace, God. the Prince of Peace. When we look at the way that uh, Moses interacted with God at the um, burning bush, He hid his face. He hid his face from the presence of God in that initial encounter, him uh, just learning how to uh, interact with God. He hides his face because of the glory on the burning bush. But as he continues in his walk with God, we see that he comes to know him in a way that he didn't know him previously and there he is saying lord show me your glory he's not hiding his face anymore he is hungry for the glory he wants to see an aspect of god he wants to see him in all of his his character and his goodness and so he he has grown in his relationship with god You know, when Abraham named that mountain where he had taken Isaac up the mountain, he named the mountain Jehovah-Jireh. This is the place where I've come to know God as my provider. He'd known him before as a covenant-keeping God. He'd known him as a faithful God. He's known him as one who had given him a promise and kept the promise. But there in that moment, he came to know God in a way he didn't know him prior to that moment. And often we, uh, we, we limit our interaction if we don't know him and who he is fully. And the Jesus being titled or called the Prince of Peace, what does that mean to us? Do we know him as the Prince of Peace? We, we know him as Savior. We know him as the, the blood washer. We know him as the one who's redeemed us. We know him as the one who has, has brought us out. We know him as the one who has blessed us. But this interaction with these aspects of his character allow us to receive a full manifestation of that character in our life. And so he is the Prince of Peace. Prince is a, a, a title that is recognizing a way of governing, a governing. He governs with peace. He governs with peace. And so just to bring us on board with God's definition, let's identify how God defines peace. Because in our society, in our, in our definition, naturally... Peace would mean an environment where there's no chaos, 
a, an environment where it's calm and tranquil. When you think of, a, let's say, for instance, a peaceful stream, you would think of a, a calm, if you, the difference between a peaceful stream and a rushing torrent of a stream is, is the calmness of the water, right? And so we often use that to identify a flow of peace. That peace means calm. Peace means uh, serene and tranquil. And those are results of peace. Those are the finished product of a flow of peace. But peace in itself is a supernatural force. Peace, the peace of God is a supernatural flow. And in the Old Testament, it was defined with the it was defined as wholeness. So it wasn't just a peace, a calming serenity. It was a supernatural force that could take broken places and make them whole again. That could take empty places and fill them up again. And so the peace, when the Hebrew people heard the word peace, they automatically thought wholeness. Completeness. That was the, the idea, the image they had of peace. And so it was such a part of their, um, their culture that it was the way they greeted each other. We would say, hey, how are you doing? How are you? But they said, how is your peace? It was the word shalom in the Hebrew language. They would be greeting each other and saying, Peace be unto you, wholeness be unto you. Let the peace of God that comes from being made whole, made complete, be upon your life, be operative in your life. And so when they said, for instance, um, Jesus said when he was having that sermon in the book of Matthew where he was writing things that they had wrong, he was setting in, in order, things that they had gotten out of order, he said to them, he said, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. You've heard it said, but I say unto you. You've heard it said, but I say unto you. And one of the things that he pointed out in that sermon, he said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you. Yes. And he brought it into a, a different perspective because they had taken that statute and they had used it to mean vengeance and used it to mean I have a right for vengeance. I have a right to get you back for that. I have a right to, to get you back. But the, that was not the intent of the rule. That was not the intent of that statute. The intent was if you've caused somebody to become broken, then I want you to re restore them to wholeness. So if you borrow their oxen and while it's in your field, plowing your field, it breaks its legs, you need to get them another oxen to restore the oxen that you caught, that you had borrowed from them and now it is no longer valid. I want you to restore them. And so the, the heart of that statute was you need to have an attitude of I never detract from people. I'm always wanting to see their wholeness. I'm always wanting to see their completeness. This is the idea of the word peace in God's definition, in God's dictionary. He's as being a supernatural force that will cause nothing missing, nothing broken. 
Hallelujah. The peace that comes from being made whole. I know that was a long book title, but I, I stuck with it. The peace that it didn't do well when I tried to translate it over into Spanish. We had to go with the peace that restores. But the peace of God that comes from being made whole is one of the greatest ways to define that word peace. It, it's the peace of God that restores. And so the Shunammite woman, the Shunammite woman had a broken place in her life. She had never had a son she had never had a son, and, but she honored God. And she honored the man of God when he started coming through town. She recognized this is a man of God. And she prepared a place in her life to honor God. And in doing so, there needed to be a reciprocal from God. God wanted to do something for her. And the man of God said, what do you need? Do you need me to speak to the king on your behalf? Do you need me to, to you know, use my influence in some way? And she said, no, I am a woman uh, who is, is uh, established. I, I don't need you to do anything. I just want to honor. And then he turned to Gehazi. He said, Gehazi, what does she need? Because why? That peace wanted to flow back into her home to bring a wholeness to an area where she was broken. And Gehazi said, she doesn't have a son and her husband is up in age. She's going to need somebody to be that provision. And so he said, call her back in here. And he said to her, you're going to bring forth a child uh, at the time of life. And, and nine months later, she brings forth a child. And when that child got to a certain age, he went out to the fields to work with his father. And in doing so, he, we don't know if it was a, a heat stroke. It kind of sounds like that when you read it in the, in the text. But he's, he got a really bad headache. They took him back home. He laid his head on her lap and he died. And she walked upstairs, carried her son into the room. I say upstairs because it was the upper room, right? She carried her son into that room where the man of God was honored, the word of God was honored. She laid her child on the place where the word rested in her home. And she walked out and said to her husband, I need a donkey. And he said, it's not Wednesday, it's not Sunday. Why are you going to church today? And she said, I have the peace that comes from being made whole. She said, Shalom. That was the word in the original language that she just looked at him and one word answer, Shalom, peace. I've got peace. No explanation, no crying, no tears, no frustration, just the peace that comes from being made whole. And she looks at the driver of the cart and says, don't slow down for me. You get this thing, you get this buggy going as fast as it'll go. And they could see her coming. And, and the man of God said to Gehazi, go down and ask her, is it well with you? Is there peace with you? Is there? And so Gehazi got there and he said, is there peace with your husband? Is there peace with your son? Is there peace with you? And she said, I have the peace that comes from being made whole. I have nothing missing, nothing broken in my life. But did she have something missing and broken in that situation? In the natural, she had a situation that looked like her son was, was dead. Her son was laying lifeless on that bed. His heart was not beating. There was no breath in his lungs. But she's declaring her covenant of peace. I have the peace. The same God who gave me this and fixed this broken place in my life can fix it again. And she received full restoration because she placed a demand on peace. 
And when we begin to see this aspect of our Lord and Savior, we know we can place a demand on the peace that flows from His leadership in our life. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. So because he has been established lives as Lord, he has the, uh, the right to operate in our life with his peace. His governing power over our life is going to begin to go to work on the areas of our life where there are things that are still missing. If there are things that are, are missing in relationships, if there are areas of your life uh, financially or physically where you have broken places the peace of God desires to restore yes. and our participation with peace are placing a demand and and using our faith in line with that uh, provision will allow that provision to have a greater operation yes. in our life and that's what I want us to look at today Romans 14 17 also identifies this as being a flow of the kingdom Romans 14, uh, they're dealing with uh, um, issues that were going on in the church family uh, concerning people uh, uh, eating meat that had been offered to idols and, uh, and how to walk in love with people who might not understand. And so he, he's dealing with these uh, dietary rules and, and, and recognizing uh, how people can walk in love and do things for the purpose of walking in love. But then he brings this out in verse 17 of chapter 14, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. In other words, you know, a person who is mature in the things of God is, knows that uh, any food that has been offered to an idol is we know there is no real idol and those uh, things are, it's just food, you know. And so, but at the same time, we don't want to hinder somebody else's walk uh, uh, who, who might be hurt uh, by that. And so he was dealing with that. But then he says, but the kingdom of God is not about these external rules. It's not about these uh, things that are, are uh, uh, cultural differences. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so this identifies that the flow of the kingdom is from our righteousness. Our righteousness is established in Christ. We're not righteous because of what we eat or don't eat. We're not righteous because of what we do or don't do. There are things I don't do because I'm righteous, but they don't make me more righteous. There are things I don't watch because it's offensive to God, and it's, if it's offensive to God, it's offensive to me. Amen? But they don't make me righteous for watching or not watching them. 
Amen. I'm righteous because Jesus became sin for me. I'm righteous because Jesus became a curse for me. And because of him being cursed and because of him being made sin, we are made justified. We are made righteous. And so we walk in that righteous relationship with God. And then it says peace. Peace being a a restorative power, peace being something that sets our lives back into wholeness, that sets our lives back into order again. The flow of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So these are uh, structures spiritually that allow us to operate more effectively in the kingdom, that allow us to uh, see the will of done more effectively in our lives because we're coming by spiritual structures, by, by spiritual uh, engagings. We're coming by who we are in Christ. We're coming, uh, it, it, we're, we're interacting with God with that peace in place. So there's going to be a feeling that you sense or a recognition of when you have peace and when you don't. As you walk with God, you'll begin to recognize more clearly the difference between calmness and peace. You'll begin to identify the peace of God as a flow in your spirit, as something in your spirit. Mark 5, Jesus uh, brings out something in dealing with the woman who was healed of the issue of blood. I want to look at, Mark, at her whole story, Mark 5, 25. And uh, we'll, we'll see this restoration and this return to wholeness here. And we'll also see that it's a flow. Uh, Mark 5, 25, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. Uh, did she have a lot of missing and broken places in her life? Yes, it says that when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. I shall be whole. Hallelujah. So there is a specific objective in her heart what she is aiming for what she is focused on is wholeness and she's recognizing that there is an anointing in him there is a flow of power in him that will cause wholeness in my body that will cause wholeness that couldn't be fixed by any of the medications they've given me. It couldn't be fixed by any of the doctor's treatments that I've tried. It couldn't be fixed by any of the uh, uh, previous attempts by man. But I know if I can just touch even just his garment, I shall be whole. I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So she's calling for wholeness and healing is identified as wholeness. She was healed of that plague and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue or dunamis, 
It is the Greek word dunamis, which is uh, 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 miraculous power. Miraculous power had gone out of him. Miraculous power had gone out of him and he did not initiate it. Miraculous power had gone out of him and it wasn't something that he purposed Amen. to do. Amen. But faith made a connection to that miraculous power. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember uh, Charles Capps telling a story of how uh, there in town he had... Uh, there had been a car accident and one of the power lines had fallen and the people who were on the scene to help get the people out of the car didn't realize about that power line and that it was still full of power and as they were trying to, to extricate the people from the car they hit that power line and the rescuer lost his life because he, he touched that power uh, and, and that power was there. That power was available. And there wasn't the grounding. There wasn't the proper precautions in place to... Uh, he, he activated that power because he connected with it. He connected with it. Well, this power was operative in Jesus and she connected with it. He did not initiate the connection, but faith activated it. Faith made that proper uh, conduit for it to go out of him and into her. It says he knew the power had gone out of him and she knew the power had come into her. She could, she could feel it and he could feel it. Hallelujah. And it was a power that produced wholeness in her body. It was a power that produced wholeness in her body. And Jesus said, Who touched me? And his disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging thee. And, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her. Look at that. Knowing what was done in her. She came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter... Your faith has made you whole. Your faith can make you whole. Faith can make us whole. Why? Because faith can access the power that brings wholeness into our finances, the power that brings wholeness into our physical body, the power that can bring wholeness. It's not limited. She just happened to have her point of contact as touching, but you don't have to have Jesus in the room where you can touch him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that the word of, the, the, the word of faith says, the righteousness which is of faith says, the word is near me. Yeah. Jesus doesn't have to descend. Amen. I don't have to ascend. Uh -huh. The word is near me. If I have the word, I can access the power. I can access and see the wholeness in this area of my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So she, she desired wholeness. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Go in peace and be whole. Be whole. Well, he just told her she was whole. 
But he's saying continue to be whole. Go and be. Let that be your state of being. Stay in the condition of wholeness. Why did he have to tell her that? Why would he have to? And, and this is something that will help so many believers if they knew this. The enemy has a counterattack. P.C. Nelson said more people lose their healing in the counterattack. In the counterattack. Why? Because God healed them and then two months later a symptom comes back and they say, I guess I'm not really healed. I thought I was healed, but I guess I'm not really healed. Because the counterattack. Hallelujah. Brother Hagen said that when during the voice of healing days, and that was a, a term that was used to describe the healing move of God that took place in the 1950s throughout the United States of America, and there were people supernaturally healed under, under tent meetings and in, in different meetings that were, were taking place. Uh, many people who were ministers during that time said it wasn't even something we tried to hap make happen, that the, the move of God was just there to see healings and that if you just got in the presence of God, people were getting healed. Amen. And this um, was taking place all across the United States and a lot of the people were using tents during that time because there weren't a lot of big coliseums or meeting rooms. But the Lord directed Brother Hagin to stay in the local churches and he would be having meetings, six, seven, eight week meetings in these churches and oftentimes the pastors would say to him, we all went to, you know, Brother so-and-so's tent meeting and many of my people got healed. But then a few months later, we know they were healed because the symptoms all left and they had had full manifestation of the healing for months. And then a few months would go by and a lot of them started losing their healing. Well, can you imagine if one person gave into it and came in using the, the thing that they didn't need before, right? And, and somebody said, what happened? I thought you got healed. Well, honey, I thought I did too, but I guess it just came back on me. Brother Hagen said there was a one man who was in, uh, uh, who had got healed in his meeting. Got healed, he, he was an elderly man, um, uh, pieces, his uh, hearing aids. Uh, he, even with the hearing aids, you pr pretty much had to shout in his ear. Well, he got healed and could hear with his back turned, you know, just something, somebody whispering across the room. He got healed of that and he got healed of, of a rheumatoid arthritis in his, his body as well. And a few weeks later, Brother Hagen was still in town because he was uh, uh, ministering a, like an eight-week meeting. And he said he came in and we had to shout at him again. He had lost his, his healing. And he said to him, what happened? And he said, I was at the post office and that, that muffled sound came back into my ear. And I just said out loud, well, I guess I'm not really healed. I guess I, I'm not healed anymore. And he said it all just came right back. Well, Brother Hagen said I stood there and shouted at him and re-preached the, the message on healing, <laughs> re-preached the foundation of healing, and he got him healed again. And he said I went to that church many times in the, the future, and he was still healed. 
Well, those pastors would tell Brother Hagin, my people went, they got healed, now they've lost their healing, and Brother Hagin said, tell them to come to all the morning meetings where we're teaching. Let them come sit under the teaching, and he said, nine times out of ten, they didn't need me to lay hands on them again. Because when they came in and sat under the teaching, they got it for themselves. And he taught something. If you've never read the book, I think we, we had the book for some while. If we're out, we'll get it again. It's called How to Keep Your Healing by Brother Hagen. It's right out there in the bookstore. Uh, he said, uh, he said it, if you receive healing by a gift of the Spirit, the gift of healing, or by the anointing of somebody else, somebody else, a healing anointing, you still have to have faith to keep it. If you build your faith to get it the first time, then you know you've got the faith to keep it. But if you get it by an anointing or you get it by a gift of the Spirit in operation, you still need to bring your faith to maintain it. Amen? And that's true for debt freedom. That's true for, for any area of wholeness that God wants us to operate in, in our relationships. He, we've got to bring our faith to it. It's a provision. It's ours. It's, yeah. It belongs to us by covenant right. Yeah. But our confidence in the covenant, our faith in God's word is necessary to connect it to us. Yeah. Just like there are copper wires that are necessary to connect the electricity from the pole to go through the wall and into these light fixtures. Yeah. Without the copper wire making the connection... We can have power at the pole and not have power coming in to that fixture. There has to be the connection. Faith is the wholeness producing power to come through the relationship with the Word, through the relationship with Jesus, the Word made flesh. With that, that faith can, allows it to come into manifestation in our life. It's like having this building wired for electricity. Amen? Faith wires your life for the wholeness of God to flow unhindered, for the peace of God to flow into every area of your life. So in the Amplified Bible, can you put me verse 34 in the Amplified Bible? I want us to look uh, even specifically where Jesus instructed her, go in peace, go in peace. Uh, in the Amplified, it uses the word go into peace. And be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease. So he says that peace is going to allow what she has just received to have a continual operation and manifestation. She never has to be sick another day in her life. <laughs> I, I just, I, I just want to bring us all up to that place where we can confidently, joyfully make the declaration, I never have to be sick another day in my life. It's all because of Jesus. It's all because he took the stripes for me. It's all because of the covenant of healing that he's made mine. But I'm telling you, I never have to be sick another day in my life. I don't have to experience things wearing out in my body because I have a warranty for hips. I have a warranty for, for ankle bones. I have a warranty for my eardrums. I have a warranty. <laughs> if, if one of them starts to go bad, I know the manufacturer. <laughs> I can access restoration and he can make it like new again. He can restore it. 
Hallelujah. He can restore. So, wholeness, peace. He says, go into peace and be continually healed and freed. Go into peace and be continually healed and freed. Hallelujah. The Weiss translation says, be going into a state of peace and be continually sound in body, healed of your affliction. Be continually sound in body. Well, years ago, actually, when Jesus was walking on the earth and teaching, they were offended that he could say that if people believed on him, they would be saved. They got offended at Jesus saying that, that people could be saved through him. But, you know, they didn't have a problem knowing that Jesus could heal people. They were bringing them and stacking them on the roads for Jesus. They were, were bringing him all night long. He would lay hands on people. They didn't have the issue. But today, you have denominations of people who love God. Amen. I believe they love God. But they don't believe Jesus can save or heal. They believe Jesus can save, but they no healing is done away with. And it's because of a lack of knowledge. It's because of that revelation coming through the preaching. And we've got to preach into it, preach our way so that we can have a full manifestation of that legal right, that legal redemption. It's ours legally. But to get it into manifestation vitally, it's going to have to be preached so that it can be heard, so that faith can come and people can walk in it. Well, this, this idea that we can live whole the idea that somebody can just live all their days on the earth without any broken places, without any sickness, that we can be sound in body 24 hours a day, 365 days in a year. Now, even, even today, there are more people who believe God can heal you. But let's, let's just max that out and say, God can keep me healed. Yeah, he can heal me, but he can also provide health in my body so that I'm never sick another day in my life. That I'm bringing my faith up to that, that I'm not just waiting so that if I get sick, he can heal me. Yes, he can. But how about I just say, I thank you, God, you keep me sound every day. Soundness. Sound. Sound. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Sound in body. Sound in mind. Sound in mind. Hallelujah. 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 The word save. The word save is the word used here when we see healed. When, when it says she was healed of that plague. When she said uh, that I would be, uh, um, if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. It, it's the same word, so-so, which we use uh, to say saved, but it means to make whole as well. It means to deliver. It means to heal. The Vines New Testament Dictionary of, of Words says, or Dictionary of New Testament Words says, uh, the word means to save from disease and its effects, a restoration to health, 
a restoration of material or physical uh, deliverance from danger or suffering, uh, God's power to deliver from sin, and a future deliverance of believers in the second coming of Christ. So this salvation is talking about today, every aspect of my body, and my whole future. My whole, no matter, so if it's, it's, if it's extending even until the second coming of the Lord, I'm saved in the second coming. Amen? Then he's talking about it being a continual operation and flow for us, not just a one-time application. Now here, let me put some peace on that and make it better. But no, he's wanting us to let this be, remember, righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. The, the, the operation, the structure of the kingdom is to have a continual interaction of righteousness, a continual operation of peace, yes. and, and a continual entering into the joy. Living in that joy flow. So here we see that it is a... Uh, an ongoing work of peace, an ongoing operation of peace. It's like something you want to check and make sure it's always running. You know, I leave my refrigerator on. I, I'm not going to go home and unplug my refrigerator. It just runs all the time. Why? Because whenever I need something out of that cold refrigerator or freezer, it's there for me, but I don't unplug it when I don't need it. So don't unplug peace just because you don't need anything right now. Just leave it plugged in. Just let it keep running. It, it's one of those things, that one of those uh, uh, appliances that just need to run all the time. Peace just needs to stay running. Just leave it plugged in so that whenever you do need something out of it, you can go access it. Amen? So go into peace. Go into, he says, go into peace. Be going into a state of peace, uh, uh, continue, go into and be continually healed. So he's talking about this being the environment of our life. Uh, Isaiah 55 verse 12 puts uh, peace uh, in, in line with our movement. Isaiah 55 and verse 12. For you will go out with joy and be led forth, led forth with peace. So again, righteousness, peace, and joy. We see two of them here. You will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. You'll be led forth with peace. The Amplified says, and you will be led forth by your leader, the Lord himself and his word with peace. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. His presence in our life brings governing forces and one of the main forces of, of the prince of peace is peace. One of the main forces. Jesus governs us with the blessing and the blessing is the, the, blessing is the covenant uh, that causes peace to come into our life. I mean, when you look at what the blessing does, it makes sure there's nothing missing. Uh, the blessing is 
you could say the contract of peace. All of these blessings will come on you and overtake you. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed yeah. in the country, blessed in your basket, blessed in your storehouse. You'll, your, your children will be blessed. Your animals will be blessed. Your finances will be blessed. All of these areas, I'll command the blessing on your storehouse. Your crops will come up. Your business will flourish, right? So this blessing is causing peace. It's, a, it's a, the contract of my peace. So he says that it's going to be the way he leads us. It's going to be the way he directs us. Uh, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, we see a New Testament indication, Colossians 3.15, of how peace needs to be a director, a, a governing force of our life. Three fifteen of Colossians says, "Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be thankful." Let the peace of God rule. I looked up that word "rule" because if if the peace of God is supposed to be ruling, I want to be specific to know what does that mean for me. How do I submit to that? And the word "rule" means to decide to determine, direct, or control. It is a word that we would use arbitrate. Now, I have seen people who have had court cases with custody of their children, for instance, and they had, because they could not agree on the custody, the judge ordered an arbitrator. And the, and the judge said, whatever the arbitrator decides is what we're going to do. So it was no longer in the control of the mom or the dad. It was now they had to submit to the judgment, the decision, the viewpoint, the, 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 the uh, outcome that the arbitrator said. And that arbitrator is someone that has to be willing to look at things from a, a righteous viewpoint, a, a, a viewpoint of I'm not taking his side or her side. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do the right thing. That arbitrator then would make a decision and all of the parties, uh, the, the other people involved, had to submit to the decision of the arbitrator. The judge was going to take the decision that the arbitrator had made as being what that was instituted. And so he said that's what peace needs to be for us. Peace needs to be an arbitrator. Peace needs to be able to say, no, don't do that. And even if in yourself you say, well, it looks like the right thing to do. It, it, it looks like what would benefit me. But peace says, don't do it. I knew somebody who was offered a job out of state and the job had better benefits, the job had, uh, you know, uh, a package with it that made it very alluring. And uh, this person in the natural was saying, it, it, I mean, this is great. What an opportunity. What a great offer. 
that this is. But the more they prayed about it, they couldn't get peace even though in the natural they couldn't see any reason why not. They couldn't see anything in the natural. If I, and, and so there, finally it came down to the place that peace helped them make a decision that, w that could have been detrimental for them. Amen? Amen? And they might have been in the wrong place to meet the, the, the spouse that God had for them. They might have been in a place where they didn't have a local church that was the same as what they had been attending and they wouldn't have had the same f flow of the word into their life. And you know, that matters. Amen. It matters what you're listening to. It matters where you're sitting. It matters what you're feeding on. And you, a person could make a decision based on money that would lead them away from the Word of God and the plan of God for their life. <laughs> but peace will help them not to make it. And they could look at it in the natural and say, wow, that really looks like something, but I don't have peace about it. Well, let peace call the shots. That, the Amplified. Can you show me the Amplified here? It says, let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule... Act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That, that's what peace needs to have the work or the liberty to, to do in our lives. That I need to let peace have a, a say-so that goes above my natural mind. I need to let peace have the decision-making and not my thinking. My natural thinking is not anywhere as beneficial as my spiritual insight. Amen. Why? Because God's not going to speak to my head. He's going to speak to my heart. He's going to deal with me in my heart. And peace identifies the voice of God. Peace will, will be that green light that tells you, that's God telling you that. That's God speaking that to you. Uh, one minister said they got up in the morning and they had, a, they had had a really bad dream. And, you know, sometimes God can speak to us through dreams. But she said that dream looked like it was from God, but it didn't have any peace with it. And I immediately got up and did the thing opposite of what that dream was telling me to do because that dream was not accompanied with a peace in my spirit, a recognition that that was God. It was the enemy trying to use that because dreams, uh -huh. visions, yes. angels, uh -huh. any of those things, the enemy could duplicate. Yes. The en enemy can mimic those things, but he cannot mimic the peace of God. He can't bring anything into you that feels like peace. He can't bring peace to you. Only the Spirit of God. That's why the, the Spirit of God leads us with the inner witness and peace cannot be tangle, untangled from the inner witness. The inner witness and peace, they are like one and the same. They, they, you're gonna, when He witnesses to you, there's peace in it. And, and one thing that helps us to understand this is even if God decides or chooses to use an angelic visit, a vision, a dream, the inner witness will always come with it. 
It won't be it won't be one or the other. The inner witness should be with the dream, should be with the vision. Should, if somebody comes and gives you a word and they say it's from God, if there's no inner witness, thank you, brother, thank you, sister, but just drop it, leave it, let it go. Amen. Don't even take that home with you. Don't even put it in your pocket to try to save it for another day. If there's no peace with it, if there's no peace with it, God bless you. Amen. So the peace then is to our safety, to our direction, to our being accurate in the decisions that we're making and in the right place at the right time. So this peace then needs to have the right to change our mind. I don't want to override peace with my mind. I, I need to say if peace shows up, then, then we settled it. If I don't have peace, I don't have to make any decision. I do not have to make any decision without peace. If they say, well, there's a deadline for you. There's a time limit. You've got to have it by this. If I don't have peace, I don't have to do it. Hallelujah. And so if you're being led by that, if you're, if you're feeling pressure of that time limit, back off of it and say, you know what? The world's not going to end if I don't make that decision by that time. Right. Or, or here's one that, that the Lord has used. It's a little thing, but he's used it to help me. Just because they say, this sale ends in 24 hours does not mean I need to buy that. They want to pressure me to buy it. They want to pressure me. Buy it now. Buy it now. Six hours left for this price. You know what happened? I, I, there was like, there, you've got this weekend, the last opportunity, and then next weekend they had it 80% off. Yeah. Lies. <laughs> but the pressure of it, if anything, and, and the, the Lord has dealt with me, when I feel that pressure, just don't do it. That's it. it that pressure, you know, buy it now while it's yeah. on sale. I'm blessed enough if I need to pay full price, I can, but I'm not going to be forced to buy something because of this sale price. And this is, this cooperation with peace is something you need to practice in the small things so that in a bigger, more serious decision, you've already practiced peace. You, and live. You live in peace. You live in a condition where you can sense peace. And if anything violates it, you say, wait a minute. What was that all about? What, was that phone call what violated my peace? Was that what that person said about me what violated my peace? What was it that got me over here into a place of being distressed? What was it that moved me over into this place of, of feeling this pressure? Look at Ezekiel 34. Verses 25 through 29. You and I, the covenant we are in, is referred to as the everlasting covenant. We have the ultimate covenant of any covenant God has made with mankind. We are in the greatest. And the blood of Jesus is the seal of our covenant. He by his sacrifice, 
made that covenant open and available to anyone who believes on him. So we have that covenant by faith in what he did, by faith in, so he is the, the guarantee of our covenant. He is the one who has established it. But this verse is talking about this covenant. This is the covenant that God is talking about, this one that we are in. What, the covenant we have is greater because it has all of God's covenantial um, uh, provisions that he's ever made with anybody wrapped up into this one. You know, it, the, the, the reason a $100 bill is greater than a 50 is because the 50 is in the 100. Twice. <laughs> Not just the dollar, that, that, that 50 is good, but this 100 has the 50 in it. Uh -huh. the, the covenant we're in has, has all of the good blessing of the originals, the other covenants in it. Yeah. He said, I will make with them a covenant of peace. A covenant of peace. I will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land. No predators. They will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. So we see this covenant of peace provides a safety and a security and a protection. I will make them and the places round about my hill a blessing. That blessing means empowered to prosper. I will make them empowered to prosper. Amen. Hallelujah. I will make them a blessing and I will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of empowerment to prosper. Well, a shower is something that is... Um, not so torrential that it tears up your harvest, but it is just the right rainfall to water your harvest. Showers of blessing means a continual supply of rain or, or spiritual empowerment to your life so that it's not just I'm going to prosper you one day, but I'm going to have a continual flow of this shower of blessing so that you can live prosperously. That's part of the covenant of peace. Why? It's nothing missing, nothing broken that God is, is, is aiming for. He wants your life to have nothing missing, nothing broken. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Forgive me. He just spoke something to me that tickled me. Praise God. The tree of the field shall yield her fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase, and they shall be safe in their land, and shall know that I am the Lord, when I have broken the bands of their yoke, and delivered them out of the hands of those that serve themselves of them. Hallelujah. So productivity, the tree of the field, the earth, yielding increase, is talking about us being productive. Productive in the things that we're putting our hand to on a daily basis. You know, for people who are not agriculturally minded, this wouldn't seem to be effective. The tree of the field yielding fruit and the earth yielding her increase. But uh, I praise God that, that 
Brother Ralph Manzanti is agriculturally minded because I've got eggplants and tomatoes and green beans because his earth is yielding increase to him. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. That, that earth yielding increase is talking about the things you do, your job, your investments, the things that you have in, interacted in business-wise, he wants to make them fruitful. He wants to make them productive. He wants the things you're putting your hand to do to have the greatest productivity in them. Amen? And then it says here that we will know that the Lord has broken the bands of our yoke. There's going to be an awareness of our liberty. Peace, peace, is, a, is a, something that compasses every area of our life. He wants us to know I'm free. He wants us to know I've got liberty from debt. He wants to know I've got liberty from need. He wants us to know I've got liberty, this, this freedom, this um, recognition of our position in Christ, in freedom, is going to be something that we are conscious of. Hallelujah something that we're aware of because of the blessing, because of the covenant of peace. And they will be no more a prey to the heathen, neither shall the beast of the land devour them. So that's natural enemies won't have any progress in our life. Spiritual enemies won't have any progress in our life. What, what do you do if, if no enemy can successfully launch anything against you? That's our covenant in Christ. That's our covenant. A thousand will fall at our, our side and ten thousand at our right hand. It shall not touch us. They'll come at us one way and what are they going to do? Run seven directions away. Why? Because of the covenant. So he says this covenant is going to make us aware of... Uh, our liberty, and that no enemy or natural circumstance can destroy us. No natural circumstance can destroy the person who's got the covenant of peace enacted in their life, operative in their life. No natural circumstance. Circumstances come. Situations arise. But no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper. It may be formed. It may come up. But God is able to deliver us from all Amen. of the afflictions. Many are the afflictions, but God delivers from them all. Many are the afflictions, but it doesn't matter how many. If all, 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 if He delivers me from them all, it doesn't matter how many. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. No natural circumstance is going to prevail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then he says this, I will raise them up for a plant of renown and they will be no more consumed with hunger in the land, neither bear the shame of the heathen anymore. And the shame of the heathen, heathen was poverty, was lack. He said, they will, I will raise them up for a plant of honor. One of the translations says honor. In other words, the covenant is I will make your name great. I, God's honoring us in this covenant. And he said, I will raise them up and they will not be consumed with hunger or with lack. Glory to God. So this is, if you read throughout the, every, 
description of this covenant, it is a complete redemption from the curse. A complete redemption. It is a, a flow of peace that is at work continually in our lives so that if something happens to try to violate or, or steal from us or rob our, our wholeness or break something in our lives, peace is available to restore it. Peace is available to restore it. Glory to God. So this is, this is not just a flow, but it's a covenant. It's in the, God put it in the form of covenant so that we could bring our faith and access it legally. So when you know it's legally yours, you don't have to beg somebody to give it to you. You don't have to see, are, do they want to give it to me or not? Wait a minute. They wanted me to have it so much, they put it in writing. They wanted me to access it, so they made it accessible through covenant terms. Hallelujah. So there, there's no, you know, the reason that God gave the promise and then he swore it? So there'd be no question. <laughs> so there would be no question just to make it final. No, nobody has to wonder. Nobody has to guess. Is that for me too? He made it a promise, a covenant yeah. promise, and then he swore to it so that all... All certainty could be brought to the table where those things were concerned. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. In John chapter 14, one of the things Jesus identified to the disciples before he goes to the cross, here in verse 27, he said, Peace I leave with you. Now, we know what kind of peace he was speaking of. We know he's not just talking about a calm serenity. We know what he means. They knew what he meant. They knew what he meant when he said peace. They identified shalom. They identified he's talking about the peace that comes from being made whole. He's talking about completeness. He's talking about a supernatural covenant of peace. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace, my peace, the peace that is mine, I give to you. We have Jesus' own flow of peace. His supernatural flow of restoration power. He said, my peace I leave unto I leave with you my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Now here's your part. Here's my part. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Two different things he identified. Don't let it be troubled and don't let it be afraid. We, don't, don't put those together because Jesus didn't. Jesus did not put those in into the same word. He said, neither. Don't do this and don't do this either. Don't do this and, and I don't want you doing this one either. Don't be troubled. And don't be afraid. That word troubled means agitated, disturbed, disquieted. Agitated. And again, things can happen 
And you can look like everything's the same on the outside. You can be going about your day, you know, cooking, cleaning, doing your work at your desk, whatever you're doing, and nobody else can see it, but you can just be unsettled. And you might even get used to that. I did. I did. When I first got saved and, and was learning about the things of God, things would happen and I would go through my day unsettled until the kids were like, Mom, what's the matter? I didn't even know it, but, you know, I was, you know, short with them, answering them, you know, curtly, whatever, you know. <laughs> I, and, or, or I'd find myself in the kitchen and I'd be a little bit forceful with those pots and pans. <laughs> and I, and I, one time I thought to myself, why am I upset? I had to ask myself. I had to go back through the day and I realized that phone call upset me. I was on the phone with that person and they told me something that upset me and it's just kind of in the background playing in the back of my mind and now it's got me unsettled. I had to learn how to stop what I was doing, recognize that and deal with it. Because if it plays in the background the whole time, one time I was sitting at uh, Subway. I'd been down here to film. This was before we started the church here. Uh, and I, was, I, I, I had needed to go to a couple of places. I think I went down to minister at Dorcas House. And so I had to put it in my, my GPS. And I'd gone somewhere else. And so I'd used my GPS. And I kept noticing my battery would go down so quickly I'm like this has never happened I know my battery's not that old that the battery on my phone is just going down like in an hour and I would plug it back up and recharge it and it would just be going down and so you know I googled it <laughs> why is my battery going down and they said you've got too many things playing in the background wow. and so I had to go into the settings and I had to turn things off and it, uh, it was that location service I had like all those location services were on and I had been using the, the GPS, and it had been, even when I wasn't using it, it was in the background draining my battery. It wasn't my battery. It was what was playing in the background that I didn't need going on. It was taking the power out of my battery that, that would not have normally been taken out just in the regular usage of my phone. And I had to learn how to turn those things off and, and let those notifications and, and location services not have activity because my battery was draining. And things that disquiet you will drain your spiritual battery. And you'll be sitting there, why don't I have victory over this? Why has why it taken me so long to, to see a faith result here? Because there needs to be strength in the faith. And if you've allowed the agitation and the things that are just disquieting, not even openly bothering you, just looping in the background, pulling it out of your spirit, and then when you need to access that power, you've been drained. And you're like, I've got to go plug it in. Plug it in, plug it in. Glory to God. So Jesus said, I'm giving you my peace, but there's a part we've got to play. I'm giving you my peace, but you cannot let, don't let 
don't let, let not, let not, let not, let not. Did you see he told you don't let it? Yes. It's in your power not to let it. Amen. It's in our power. There is not anything that you are powerless to resist worrying about. Amen. Not anything that you'll stand before the Lord and say, but Lord, I had to worry about that one. Not any of them are going to be valid. Why? Because he's given you victory over all of them. He's given you access to his help in every situation. There's not anything that happens, not any phone call you're ever going to get, not any letter in the mail you're ever going to get, not any bad news, not any evil report is going to have the power that you cannot resist except just to worry about it. No, in everything we can enter into peace which is going to restore us. We can remain in peace where that restoration can continually flow and continually have its work if we don't enter into the care of it. So he says here, don't let. It is in our control and it's not in his control. You can't look at him and say, why did you let me worry about that? <laughs> it's not his place to stop it. It's not his place to cast that thought down and to, to exercise authority over it. Look at Matthew 6. He, he said it here, let not. And, and in Matthew 6, he's addressing it as well. And I want to look at verse 25, first of all, Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. I believe the Amplified says, take no anxious thought. Take no anxious thought. So he's not telling you not to be responsible. He's not saying, you know, don't, don't buy school clothes for your kids or, or things like that. He's not saying, don't take the steps necessary to be responsible about things. He's talking about worry. He says, take no anxious thought for your life. And how do people take it? Take no anxious thought for your life. Uh, if you look at verse, uh, 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 one of the other verses, it says, take no thought by saying, verse 31. Therefore, take no thought by saying. So if it's in your mind and in your mouth, have mercy. We're going to have to dig it up now. Now we got it planted in the heart. If it's in the mouth and it's in my mind. So he says, don't take the thought. The thought may come, but you're not to take it. Take no anxious thought. Take no worried thought. He says, don't take those thoughts for your life. Uh, this uh, word, this phrase, take no thought, is in the original language, it is a strong prohibition to stop something that's already in progress. To stop something that is already in progress. And it's a very strong take no thought. I, I, am, I am telling you and I am, I am calling this to be off limits. Take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, yet, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than clothing? So he says, uh, stop worrying about your life. Verse 34, take therefore no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. 
Don't worry about tomorrow. You know, in Luke 24, it says that for the anticipation of what they see coming, of the things that are supposed to come on the world, not even experiencing the things yet, but just thinking about the things that are going to happen in the last days, people's hearts are failing them. Not faith builders' hearts. Your hearts are strong. Your hearts are fixed, trusting in the Lord. Fixed, fixed hearts, fixed hearts, fixed hearts, fixed. We're fixed, trusting in the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he says here, don't take the thought. So if he says, let not and don't take it, I am in control of that. There doesn't have to come a thought to me that I have to accept it. It can come, but I don't have to let it remain. Brother Hagen said, a bird might fly over your head, but you don't have to let it build a nest in your hair. <laughs> and that he was talking about thoughts. Just because the thought comes doesn't mean I, let, I, I need to let it have a dwelling place in my mind. I don't need to let that thought become comfortable. I've got to exercise my ability to resist that thought. Hallelujah. So he said, let not and don't take it. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, and don't take thoughts. Why? Because I've given you my peace. I've given you my wholeness. I've given you my restoration. But for you to walk in it, for you to have it operating in your life, you're gonna, your participation is governing your thoughts. Hallelujah. Not taking the anxiety. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the provision that you've given us in this covenant of peace. And Lord, we bring our faith to believe you for wholeness in every area. If there be any area in the lives of your people where there is brokenness. Father, I'm asking for restoration in families. That you would turn the hearts of the children to the parents and the hearts of the parents to the children. Let there not be broken families. Let there not be relationships that are missing intimacy, openness. Father, I pray for wholeness in the marriages of the faith builders church. I pray for wholeness in our finances. Lord, we desire to have your full flow of peace unhindered and operating in our lives yes. to make our lives yes. reflect your goodness. Yes, that we would be examples of the goodness of God. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. I thank you for it. You. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God.